Hey, it's Shelly Giglio, and you're listening to The Grove Podcast. This is our second episode ever, so if you haven't heard the first one, please go back and listen. You'll be amazed. It kicked off with 3,000 women in a room, live, recorded. It was incredible. We want you to hear it and be a part of it. But now we're here to the second episode, and we have our friend today, Katherine Wolf from Hope Heals. In this episode, Katherine does such a phenomenal job of speaking to us about our pain. It's amazing to listen to because Catherine herself experienced a brain aneurysm in her young 20s, and her life came to a screeching halt. In those moments, Catherine decided a lot about life. She decided a lot about God. She decided what God would do with her life. And through these moments, you'll understand so much of what God might be doing in yours. So I really encourage you to listen along as Catherine from Hope Heals encourages us about our pain and what God might be speaking into your pain in these very moments. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. I'm just so glad to be with y'all. I am... I feel like I, I mean, I just cannot believe this. It's just so incredibly cool. I'm going to come out here so you can see me a little better, and I'll turn the brakes on so nobody panic. I'm going to fly off the stage. I'm not. I'm here. I'm good. I'm good. I just don't necessarily look like it, but I am. But maybe you think I do, and I do. I am. Listen, there's so many things in this moment that I absolutely love. I am crazy about passion, the movement, the church, all of it, the women's ministry. It's just incredible. I love it so much. It's meant so much to my husband and I and our story. I love women's ministry. I just think the ladies are really, really special when gathered together like this in Jesus' name. And I really love Christmas. I didn't... Think I did, honestly. I mean, yeah, it was like the Savior's birth, and I like, I like, you know, it, it was kind of okay, but it also was consumerism and stress and just a lot of weird family stuff. So I just was like, you know what? I'm just not really a Christmas person. But somehow, like, the switch flipped after the stroke, and I am like this crazy hound for all things Christmas. So much so that I've decided I did not get to participate in your little on fun dance moment. Uh, here we are. Um, before the um, thing began tonight, I forgot what it's called, before this Grove thing happened. So <laughs> this whole Grove thing. So I decided I would have my own little ATL dance party for you. So nobody can, but... I know Shelly Giglio takes a deep breath every night after that one. Like, please don't fall off the stage. Anyway, it is so wonderful to dance and celebrate in front of y'all and be excited. And there are so many amazing things happening in this season Um, for all of us and for me. But there's, sorry, I'm hitting the mic, but there's also really hard stuff. Um, And somehow, like, December and, like, this annual revisiting of a lot of the hard stuff, I think, surfaces for us. There's a lot of triggers, for sure, Um, with our families, with just the recognition of what is and what isn't. 
And um, just uh, December can actually, even though it's supposed to be a really great time, can be a really difficult, painful time. Don't you think? It can just bring up a lot of issues for us. And um, I think that's sad. And tonight I want to come around what is, not what isn't. And who is, who is. And I want to begin by reading a beautiful um, piece of a sermon from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Some of you may know who he is. He was an incredible German pastor who lived during World War II and really was a powerful anti-Nazi spy and just an incredible, incredible man who stood up against the Third Reich and ultimately was martyred in the concentration camp. And he wrote the following to his congregants, to his people just like you, people of hope. He writes, Advent creates people, new people. We, too, are supposed to become new people in Advent. Look up, you whose gaze is fixed on this earth, who are spellbound by the little events and changes on the face of the earth. Look up to these words, you who have turned away from heaven disappointed. Look up, you whose eyes are heavy with tears, and who are heavy and who are crying over the fact that the earth has gracelessly torn us away. Look up, you who burdened with guilt cannot lift your eyes. Look up, your redemption is drawing near. Something different from what you see will happen. Just be aware, be watchful. Wait just another short moment. Wait, and something quite new will break over you. God will come. And you know what? Oh, I didn't need that one anymore. (laughs) What's interesting is that he's talking to his congregation. He's saying to the people of hope, At Christmas, look up, which now I'm screaming it out to all of you, right? Look up. Well, duh, aren't we already all looking straight up to heaven this time of year? Hmm, maybe some of us. Perhaps for some others of us, it's a little hard to do that. I have a few thoughts on why that is. Number one, and I've got this word picture happening in the wheelchair, so give me a minute to adjust. So we got the weight of the world on our backs. Everything's heavy, just knocking us down. We're scared. We're stressed and we're anxious and we're just really like overcome. And we're self-focused. We're like staring at our own belly button saying, all I see is me. We're navel gazing. You may have heard that expression. We're totally obsessed with number one. And we're in this weird little hole, which where am I looking? And I'm doing this all for you ladies, because I got big back pain, so this is really intense. I'm wearing a Thermacare pack, by the way, they're offering at CVS. 
wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Gotta be honest. Back to the talk. So you're looking straight down at the ground. How can you possibly fix your eyes on Jesus when you are literally coping with the world around you? I um, I think that's a tragedy. I think the reason we are in this terrible cycle is because a few reasons. Number one, we do not think our lives are good. Number two, we think our pain can never be used for good. And number three, we do not think that God is good. Oh, no, I do need the rest of these. Oh, sorry, okay. I'm just going to dramatically toss this one down like the other one fell. <laughs> okay, so here's what we got to do. Reel it in. Sorry. It's a, it's a lot to keep up with me, but it's important. Listen, what we have to do, ladies of Atlanta, is be bossy with our souls. We do. What we have to do is just as the psalmist did in Psalm 42.5, which write that down, that's really important, Psalm 42.5. They're going to put it on the screen. The psalmist gets his soul back on board to what he knows is true. Psalm 42.5 says, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my rock and my redeemer. So what do we see there? The psalmist said, here's what we're doing. I know you don't feel it. I don't care. It's what we are doing. Get on board. And over and over, you got to fake it till you make it. Honestly, you got to say, no, I know what is true. I know you don't feel it. Feelings are going to change. God's truth is not going to change. So Psalm 42.5 should be a life verse for everyone in this room because we all have moments where we aren't feeling it, are we? No, please. And yet, his, what did I hear at PCC on Sunday that I just loved? Mo, if you're here, I think you said it, that his condition hasn't changed. No, my Condition has changed, but his position hasn't changed. Or something really cool. I'll look it up and email you later or something. Some really cool thing about his, I don't know, forget that. Moving on. I, it really struck me in the moment that he's not changing. We are constantly changing. You get the point. Sarah Groves, some of you may know who Sarah Groves is. She's this incredible musical artist, songwriter, and has become a sweet friend of mine. And most recently was at our summer camp this summer, Hope Hills Camp, which all of you should volunteer at next year. Several of you are in the room already did last year. You're awesome. I love you people. Sarah Groves is a musical artist at Week One Camp, which is a little bit irrelevant, but just so cool, and it just makes me want to... Freak out. Anyway, Sarah Groves wrote this incredible song called Open My Hands, where she talks about in that song releasing and receiving and giving it to God, but also wrestling with Psalm 8411, that no good thing has he withheld from those who walk uprightly with him. And how could this be true? 
How can God not withhold that when we see men and women every day with no riches, or, or perhaps they've been taken away, no honor, again, taken away, no health of body, again, taken away, or never there in the first place. How could God not withhold good things from them? How can we reconcile that? I imagine most of us in this room have wondered that as well. I know I have. Can God be good, and can he really withhold nothing? That makes no sense. Well, in Sarah's research, she discovered a theologian from the 1600s named Sir Richard Baker. Sir Richard Baker. And he writes this beautiful truth that they're going to put on the screen for you that you need to take home because this is good stuff right here. He writes that the chiefly good things of life are not things. They are. The, and I quote, peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Spirit, fruition of his presence in this life, and the assurance of his face in the next. Of these things chiefly, he will never withhold from those who walk uprightly with him. And yeah, mic drop, oh my gosh. I, um, I can't tell you what that's done to me in the last five years, how it's enabled just a different way of thinking and transforming my mind. You can't see right now, but I'm gonna pull up my little dress here and show you. I, yeah, woohoo! I got, uh, I almost broke this leg. You can probably see, maybe still see, maybe you in the front can see, I have this like disgustingly massive bruise happening all the way around this leg. And for those of you who know my story, you know I already broke this leg. So I took a bad fall a week ago and clearly nearly broke this one. And I'm laid up on the ground after the fall. It was really dramatic. Most of my kids are in the bedroom. And Jay's running and screaming, and I'm laying on the ground. And I can tell something very bad's happened. It hurts really bad. I messed up my elbow, had a bruise all the way around. This was just last Saturday. And I'm laying there, and I have this moment. And I think, you know, I don't know if it's broken. I don't know what this is. I don't know what to do. But I know that I'm okay. That I have a deep peace, a joy from the Holy Spirit. I have the fruition of his presence in this life. And I know that I have the assurance of his face in the next. And these things can never be taken away. So in that moment, and in many, many moments through some heinous surgeries and nightmares in the last 10 years, I have felt slightly untouchable. Like, no matter how bad things got, and this is for you ladies, no matter how bad things are in your story, 
physically, medically, in relationships, in your finances, whatever. He has not withheld the truly good things from you. That is truth. You have got access to everything you need to get through the very worst things because the good things aren't things at all. Isn't that so beautiful? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Back in um, 2009, which was, uh, let's see, a year and a month after my stroke, I'm still really bad off. I think we may have a picture happening. In a moment, we'll have a picture of it. I, um, I could not eat yet. I still had a feeding tube in my stomach. I couldn't walk. I was very bad off. And even then, I think, y'all sing it, yeah. Even then, um, you can see, I'm smiling. And I hadn't really learned how to smile yet with my mouth closed to look more normal. <laughs> like this. So I still gave a real toothy grin. It was extremely awkward, you can see. Isn't it weird how I'm laughing and crying? Yeah. I can't tell if it's uncomfortable, and I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, let's come back. And I decided to, in that really dark, dark time, to rewrite Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18, which some of you are familiar with from Louis' sermon series recently. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18 say that the, the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pens and no cattle in the stall. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. And for some reason, I decided to rewrite that passage of Scripture to fit my situation. So May of 2009, as you saw, I was kind of bad off in a big way. And I wrote the following. Though I cannot walk, and I am confined to a wheelchair, though my face is paralyzed, and I cannot smile, though I am extremely impaired, and cannot take care of my own baby boy. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. I, um, I don't totally know what I was thinking. Honestly, I think there was so much truly good stuff stored deep inside to me that it was my only response. And that is my prayer for you all in your nightmares, is that you so overflow with what's inside. I call it being prepared for the pain that's coming. Because pain is coming in all of our lives in different forms every day, every way. John 16, 33 is true. We will have trouble and trials in this world. But we can be prepared. We can be equipped. 
so that what's naturally pouring out is that even though everything is absolutely falling apart, I will rejoice in the Lord and have hope. And that, if you know my story, is what I did, and the results were tremendous. They said I'd never eat again, and I eat almost normally now. They didn't think I'd ever walk again. They didn't think I'd use this hand, and it worked really well most of the time. I, they didn't think I'd do 10,000 things that I am doing. So I'm kind of like a case study for hope. I heard, I heard recently from a missionary friend that the American church is the only place in the world where small groups gather and pray for healing the minute they get a diagnosis from anything. In the rest of the world, do you know what they're praying? Lord, find me faithful in this diagnosis. Lord, help me to cling to Christ. Help me to honor you as I suffer well for your name. And in our weird postmodern world, what are we doing? Lord, get me through this as quickly as humanly possible. Let no one see how hard it is. Like, I'm okay. I'm really good. I'm just about to die over here. But don't tell anybody. That's what we do. And the rest of the world, they're saying, let me suffer strong. Like, Let's start being like them, gang. Hey, women of Atlanta, you are the Americans I was talking about, part of them at least. So you do things different, and let's change the world, okay? I think what all of this is ultimately about is that we have been lied to, ladies, and we have believed that good and hard can never coexist. They're absolutely mutually exclusive. We are allergic to the hard things and we only embrace the really good things. And the thought of a melding of them and that being what life is really about is rejected by our culture, by our world. And yet, isn't that the Christian life? Isn't that kind of the gospel story? Have you read a page of the Bible? There's kind of some hard stuff in there. Jesus endured some rock and terrible things. And yet, we can't. We can't embrace the good and the hard together. We are trying desperately to teach our kids well, at least the 10-year-old, the 2-year-old can't quite understand it yet. But at least the 10-year-old, we're trying to teach James. God is equipping you to do the hard things in your good story that he is writing in your life. It's so good. Thank you. So good. Because that is not a message probably many of us heard when we were little girls. Let's be honest that God is equipping you, every single one of you, to do the hard thing in your good story that he's writing. I honestly never really heard much about the fact that my story is good, but it's going to have really hard stuff. And I think I knew some of that on some level, or I don't think I would have coped in this nightmare. 
And yet I'm still learning it every day and I'm trying to teach my children that it's gonna be hard, but that doesn't mean it can't be so, so good. I, uh, I see these limitations in our lives, these disabilities, these constraints, as these ways that God is saying, you can thrive and you can flourish within this little thing I've given you. Psalm 16:6 says so beautifully that the boundary lines in all of our lives have fallen in pleasant places. Pleasant places. So what's in here? It's good stuff. And yet, these are the constraints of your life. These are the disabilities. I live my life in a wheelchair. I'm in a pretty significant physically constrained state. Many others are equally emotionally constrained, financially constrained, fill in the blank. It's all the same, it's all hard. And yet we have these borders that are good. And studies, secular studies show time and time again that there is flourishing within constraints. Isn't that fascinating? There's such a thing as post-traumatic growth. Have you ever heard of that? That because, because, not in spite of, write that down, but because of this, we go big. What? Do you know what that is? That's like Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Let's bring it back to Christmas. What is the incarnation of Christ? He took on the constraints of human flesh. Jesus became a baby, putting himself into the extreme constraint of a human body, lived as a human, died, as a human, overcame the ultimate constraint, death. He overcame it, so we do not have to overcome our constraints. How amazing is that? He already did it. He has rescued us. Oh, that is so cool. One more thing I have to tell you. Constraints, yeah, they leave scars. You're probably not okay by everything you've been through in life. I am not either. I've got some pretty big scars based on what happened to me. You may have seen just a few of them. I got a lot more inside you didn't see today. I'll talk to you about those later. I, I got some bad stuff, some hard stuff in my story. But this is such a good story. But these scars, what are they? Scars are the proof that we lived. Scars are the very best part. The resurrected Jesus had scars in his hands. What? Scars have to be something pretty amazing if you ask me. In closing, I want to challenge you to the beautiful truth of Galatians 6. If you don't know Galatians 6, 4 and 5 in the message translation, snap it right now or look it up later. Galatians 6, 4 and 5 say this. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given and sink yourself into that. 
Do not be impressed with yourself. Do not compare yourself with others. Each of you should do the creative best that you can with your own life. Yes, that's it. So what are we called to do, ladies? We're called to sink deep into our stories. And when we do that, what happens? We look up at his story. And when we look up, what do we do? We're also looking out at each other. We care deeply for each other. We live out 2 Corinthians 1, that we have been given comfort and we have to give it away to each other. We are in this life together. So because we are thinking deep into our stories, we're looking up at Him in awe. We're looking out and we are seeing each other. And then this crazy, fabulous mess, we are bringing glory to God. Amen. I love y'all. That was Catherine Wolf. Is she not incredible? She was speaking live at the Grove. And if you want to hear more from Catherine or from Hope Heals, please check out hopeheals.com. This episode of the Grove podcast was produced by Jason Diba with executive direction by Kara Diba, Emily Vogeltans, and myself. If you're a lady who would like to join us on an upcoming Grove gathering, we'd love to have you here. Just visit passioncitychurch.com slash thegrove for details, and you can come along and join us. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to share it with a friend. And thanks for joining the Grove podcast. Hey, ladies, before you go, we just want to make sure you know about the Christmas Grove. It's coming up on December 3rd, 4th, and 5th. There are three different options for you and your friends to join us for these amazing nights of surprises. All three nights will be held at our 515 location in Atlanta. You can find all the details at passioncitychurch.com slash thegrove. You are invited, so be sure to mark it down, bring a carload of friends, and we can't wait to see you at the Christmas Grove.